Hello and welcome to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lav. Folks, we got a fun one today. This week's episode, we're talking another Tiger Woods surgery. That's not necessarily fun. Live players on the U.S. Ryder Cup team. And most importantly, with the NFL draft approaching, we're going to draft not just our top picks for 2023 or 2024. We are going for the next five years, essentially a rookie contract in the NFL, and also the top five prospects, guys who are still amateurs, who we'd want to buy stock in right now and draft them if it was beginning today. I can't wait to see who Rex, who is uh, very much not a college and amateur expert, who he's going to put on his fantasy team <laughs> for the next five years. Uh, Rex, we also have some personal things to get into. My crawfish boil, your trip to the ER. We'll get into all that as well as our doubleheader that's coming up next week at LACC and Pebble Beach, which uh, I'm now dreading because I can't play uh, worth a lick. But let's first get into Tiger. Had another ankle surgery last week that's fusing some areas together around his right ankle which of course was the one that was mangled in the car accident in february 2021 this surgery according to medical experts is going to mean less mobility but hopefully also less pain it almost certainly means that his major season is over he does not have a, a timeline for his recovery does this also spell doom for his career I don't think it spells doom. I think you missed an opportunity though with uh, with the draft that we talked about. It isn't it Rex and Lab mock draft two uh, one point oh? Aren't we going to go with yeah, that? Yeah, one one point oh. We've we've not been we've not been workshopping this over the past couple of months. We've not been making money. Uh, we haven't been hiding this behind a paywall, uh, hoping you to get excited for potential trades. Uh, you know what? I, I brought this up to a friend of mine who's a very well-known orthopedic surgeon up in Georgia, and uh, I kind of just asked him point blank, like, what does this mean for Tiger? The right ankle, as you as you pointed out, it's not the lead ankle. There's some things that go into that as far as the motions of the swing, and he did a really good job of sort of breaking down exactly what they did. He can move his ankle sort of toe up, toe down. Like, this way he is still functional. The hard way, you like that? This way is still functional. The way, what he can't do is is turn it from right to left or he kind of explained it as pronate his ankle. And the example that he gave me, and this was a great example, he sent me a picture of Jordan Spieth when Jordan swings. And if you watch at the end of his swing, his ankles are all over the place. It looks like he's almost on skates. And they're like, he like, in, bends, in, he like bends into it, doesn't he? Yeah. And Scotty Scheffler is kind of the same way. We sort of talked about that Scheffler shuffle before. He won't be able to do that, which makes it difficult. And it's the recovery period, as you pointed out, is probably in the short term, the bigger issue. You're right. I think it's major season his season is over pretty much because I can't imagine how he's going to be able to come back from it, it is a pretty significant surgery. The bigger question that you asked, and, and I did ask him point blank, does this mean the end of his career? Cause we keep bouncing this around every time he goes back under the knife that we're going to sit there and wonder if we've seen him play for the last time. He didn't think so. He said of all the things he's been through over the last few years, that this is significant. It's surgery. Anytime that you have to go through something like this, the doctors are always concerned on many levels. However, this one, he said, and knowing Tiger the way we know Tiger, he can work his way through it. He can swing around it, specifically cut because it's his right ankle. Had it been his left ankle, his lead ankle, that would have been much different. So I don't think this is the end of his career, but it's certainly the end of 2023. Left ankle, you're, you're right. That would have been career ending. I think everyone... Mm -hmm agrees had that been the case now he probably wouldn't even uh, attempted to come back he initially injured his left angle in that car accident I, I highly encourage everyone to check out bill mallon former pj tour player uh now uh current medical expert on twitter had some great thoughts he said that the, re the recovery for this it, it's been anywhere online three to six months right like you can start 
getting out of the cast, putting some weight on it, uh, and which would obviously put him outside the major window for 2023. But he, but what Bill Mallon said, Tiger Woods should expect a full recovery in about a year. And so next year's Masters, that's kind of a realistic time to Will we see him at the PNC Championship? Probably. Probably. I, yeah. like, Driving around in the golf cart. Yeah, yeah, it should be uh, l- less of a stress. I, I, I also don't believe that this is career-ending. It does seem, Rex, that unlike other surgeries, this is more about quality of life for Tiger and less about what it means for his golf career. Like, if anyone saw him on Saturday at Augusta National, like, that was absolutely miserable to see him hobble around, basically, like, dragging his right leg. Like, no one wants to see him play golf like that. I can't imagine that that was uh, an incredibly fun experience for Tiger Woods to withdraw from the Masters uh, when he was well on his way to his highest score ever at Augusta National. He, he initially cited it as uh, the recurrence of plantar fasciitis. Obviously, this was uh, more significant than that. Hopefully, this does mean less pain, less discomfort, because that has been the one thing with this recovery, Rex. He's played five official events since coming back at last year's masters he has worn down on the weekend each and every time when kind of the the toll of walking 72 holes has has caught up with him so hopefully this does mean that uh, for the future but uh, but i'm with you he wasn't (laughs) he was not going to play the pj championship anyway because of a variety of reasons lacc was going to be a very difficult walk would have loved to see him at hoy lake because of his past experience there Uh, but unfortunately it does seem like a little bit too much too soon well, and you brought up the idea. No one, certainly I don't want to see him play like that. We want to see Tiger Woods something close to what we He's still making the cut, which is like amazing. It's amazing. He, it's still making the cut. You look at what he did last year at the Masters when I don't think many people outside of his inner circle thought that he had a chance of making it 72 holes around that golf course. But I'll take it a step further. And it's interesting because this doesn't happen in other sports. You see athletes break down in other sports. You see athletes start to struggle. I mean, they can't do, certainly you look at Michael Jordan, Later in his career, he famously, you know, developed a jump shot because he wasn't as athletic. He wasn't stronger, bigger, faster like he was earlier in his career. But he wasn't limping around like this. I think it's more forget about how he was playing golf. You look at some of the video of what we saw at Augusta. I mean, it was shocking to see how difficult it was for him to get around that golf course. And you, we don't get that from other athletes in, in their primes. Because, I mean, if you're in the NFL, if you're a lineman, if your ankle is that jacked up, you're not going to try to play like that's just you're going to be on the sideline. You're going to be watching. Same thing with every other sport. In this particular sport, it allows that pathway, it allows that avenue, which I think is almost a, a disadvantage for someone like Tiger Woods, who is so uniquely driven, who has this idea that I can overcome anything. Like, please tell me no, because I know I can prove you wrong. And, and to a large degree, this is what's driving him. He's, he talked about it earlier this month at Augusta about why, why are you able to do this? And he goes, because I'm stubborn. He doesn't want to hear no. And so this is something that's so unique to golf, so unique to Tiger Woods, because look, Aaron Rodgers, he's probably going to end up limping around a lot for the New York Jets, <laughs> if I had to guess. <laughs> However, it's not going to be like as that. Long, hey, as long as he plays 65% of the snaps, he's good. And that's, yeah, that's such an interesting deal. He's not going to be limping around or, or moving that gingerly because someone's going to drag him off the field before that happens. No one can really drag Tiger off the field. Last I checked, Phil Mickelson, 52 years old, just tied for second at the Masters. Now, why, like, on the opposite ends of the spectrum physically, Phil, uh, long swing, long career, has, has uh, maintained his fitness uh, at an incredible level, won a major championship just two years ago. Uh, Tiger Woods has been under the knife 
boy, this has got to be somewhere between like 15 and 20 now combined, at least yeah. the ones that we actually know about when you consider his back, his knee, uh, and now uh, his lower right leg. So hopefully a speedy recovery. Hopefully we can get him back to the PNC championship to end the year. I see the sausage finger. Well, go ahead. No, no. What's going on behind you? That's a, that's where we got a whole new look. You don't have the awards. You don't have the dogs barking. What's happening? Where are we? I mean, I could drag the Emmy out here. I could drag the Reading Awards out here. Would that be? I'm a brag. No, it's, 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 nice it's 73 degrees if there's any sponsors who want to appear on this video. And also, it's almost time for the draft, which means. There it is. You didn't we'll want to do that inside? That. That's going to upset we'll, the wife? We'll be playing that uh, <laughs> ad nauseum. The draft is coming up, as you can see on this banner. Uh, that I was very clever in adding to our stream yard feed here. Rex, one other uh, newsy thing, the Zurich Classic, if we really want to talk about that, uh, you, can go, you can go to golfshell.com and see your column uh, up on that right now. But Zach Johnson did make some news in the pre-tournament press conference when he said that no decisions have been made regarding the eligibility for the U.S. Ryder Cup players in terms of can live players play their way onto that team. So even those players, now the PG of America had to follow up on that. Even those players like Brooks Kepka, uh, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, all former U.S. Ryder Cuppers, even if they've departed for live, they do maintain affiliate PJ of America membership through summer 2024, which means they can remain eligible to qualify and or be picked for the team. Incredibly unlikely. I think Brooks Kepke at number 17 is the highest ranked live player right now in the point standings outside of winning a major and another high finish. So I guess if Brooks you know, wins a PGA, uh, U.S. Open or Open Championship, like you'd think in addition to his tie for second at the Masters, he may be able to crack that, crack that top six. So they almost certainly won't qualify. But do you think that they could actually be picked? Would Zach Johnson reach across the aisle and say, DJ, Brooks, we need you in Italy. You think that, think that could happen? Qualifying is one thing. Like, that's a whole different conversation. And, and they could. Certainly look at what happened at Augusta. Three of the top six players at the Masters were live players. So they're certainly playing. We're going to have this conversation later. We've already talked about it before. The idea that these aren't still top players is sort of ridiculous just because they're now playing under a new flag. It's not unprecedented. You brought up the idea that maybe Brooks or DJ wins a major championship. It's not unprecedented for a major champion not to make a team. John Daly didn't make two teams as, as a two-time major champion. So okay. this has happened. We're, and, talking, and look, we're talking John Daly or we're talking a guy who just defected for living. But, but got it. Daly. But again, it's not that different when you look at the context of these players only have three more opportunities. The Masters is over, so they're only going to really get three more opportunities to prove themselves. So you could argue that John Daly really only had two opportunities to prove himself. So uh, to go to it, yes, they could qualify. And it is interesting to, to see that there is still a pathway back for them. I can't imagine in any scenario where either captain, and that's Luke Donald or Zach Johnson, would make a live player a, a pick simply because of the politics involved. And look, it's the PGA of America. This is not the PGA Tour, but this goes back to, this goes back to the ecosystem. And I do not see, I mean, Zach Johnson and Luke Donald have since oh, the yeah. very beginning. There's, oh yeah, there's set all the right things because they have to. They don't want to get involved in lawsuits. They don't want to get involved in having to give depositions. Like they want to avoid this at all costs. And so what they're going to do is say all the right things in public. We're just going to have to wait and see. And that's kind of out of my hands right now. But when the time comes to make a pick, and let's let's throw a, a, a for instance out there that Brooks Kepka is somehow played his way into the top ten. He's not automatically qualified, but he's eighth on that points list. Is he going to be a pick? 
over, I don't know, someone who remained loyal to the PGA Tour. I don't see that happening. Now, the European conversation is a little bit different because it's a of rulings. I'm not but so no, sure, not Rex. Like, I don't, so Bryson, Bryson's a no. Patrick Reed's a no. Like, I, I think even if they're, like, seventh in the point standings, like, it's, well, it's hard to imagine. you're popularity contest now. You can't it's do hard that. To, like, it is. Stop it is that. a pop. It is a popularity concept. You just you just talked about how these guys remain loyal to the PGA Tour. That's basically you're making it political. Like, uh, no, I said popularity. I didn't say political contest. I said a popularity it's a, contest. It's the same thing. It's still no, it's, it's still not. playing politics. It's still playing politics with the room. Like, do you want the best player on the team, or do you want the player who's going to mesh mesh the best in the team room? That's why. Like, I think I think DJ and Brooks are the only possibilities for this. Not just because of their style of play, um, but I think how well that they've uh, bonded with their with those uh, players over the past decade or so. Let, so here's here's a hypothetical, and I think now with Will Zalatoris out for the year because of the microdisectomy, I think it does open up an opportunity here. So you're telling me if we get to September or excuse me August because that's when the picks are going to be made following the BMW Championship. If you get down to a a Kurt Kitayama, who is currently eleventh <laughs> in U.S. point standings, Chris Kirk, who is twelfth. Or Sahith Thagala. You needed to pick two of those three guys, or you can have a Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka. Which one are you going to take? A guy who doesn't have any experience in that arena and could be overwhelmed as the Americans try to win for the first time in, oh yeah, three decades on European soil? Or are you going to go back to the well with Dustin Johnson, who, yes, he was 5 and 0 at Whistling Straits? In the most recent Ryder Cup, he's maintained friendships with a lot of those guys. He is not bad mouthed, just as Brooks Kepka has not. He's not bad mouthed any player who has remained loyal to the PGA Tour. I, I, I can certainly see it. I, th- I think it's unlikely, but dismissing the, the possibility that a Brooks or DJ could be on that team, I think, is, I think is reckless. Now, you asked me what I would do. And yes, I'm bringing DJ into that team because we have talked about this and we've, we saw it at Augusta National where he was welcomed back. People missed. DJ. They like DJ. They still hang around DJ in South Florida. They go to the same restaurants. They go to the same gym to work out. So, yes, in that scenario, I can imagine where the guys are like, hey, we like Kurt Kitayama a lot, but we really like DJ. So, yeah, in my mind, DJ is a proven happening. commodity, right? Like DJ and Brooks are proven commodities. You know he exactly is, what you're going to get. He is. The problem with that is he didn't particularly play well at the Masters, right? And so again, this goes to what we talked about going in. Oh, he's the like Masters. thirty. He's like thirtieth in points. Like it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it's not yeah. even. So now it's not even close. So, so you can't even make that argument. Brooks no, is no, a he's different. Gotta, he's got to. Yeah, he's got to play better. Yeah. So unless DJ plays really, really well in the next three majors and somehow finds a way to do that, but but you're right. Yes, he hasn't done any of the wrong things. People like him. He has a track record that would make him an easy pick. But you can't really point to Brooks that way. You, as you pointed out, you can't put. Uh, look at Patrick Reed the same way or Bryson DeChambeau or I'll keep going down the list like they there simply isn't that runway for those players and the reason I say it's going to be easier for the Europeans is because the European tour has opened that door because of the ruling that happened earlier this month in sports resolution UK and because of the way Keith Pelly the CEO of the DP world tour reacted to it I think they they are considering an a la carte option where I think they're opening the door to the idea that, okay, you can play. Yes, exactly. You can play the live tour. However, you're going to have to do this to maintain your status on our tour. I'm not saying there's going to be any live players that are going to have any interest in that. But if you put the carrot that is the Ryder Cup 
on the end of it, I think there is the possibility for that. There is there is zero possibility for that happening on the U.S. side. To quote Keith Pelly, it would be, quote, incredibly difficult for any of those lived defectors to qualify uh, on Luke Donald's team. Just like not the U.S. Possible. team. It's going to have six automatic qualifiers, six wild card selections. I'm not even sure who would be a possibility. Like, there's been so many burned bridges over the past year, when you think of Lee Westwood, who just turned 50, by the way, happy belated. I know he's your boy. Uh, Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia. I mean, they have bad mouth, not just the Roy McElroys of the world who have fiercely defended. I mean, John Rahm's going to come to bat for Sergio Garcia. John Rahm's going to step in for Sergio Garcia, whether or not if, if his voice has any sway. But, like, he wants to still play with Sergio Garcia. That's clear. But, but, but bringing in a polarizing figure, a player who has been caustic in his comments, not just about the players, but about the European leadership as well, I think would be a monumental risk uh, for a team that's already going to be heading into these matches, uh, presumably as the underdog. I don't think it's going to be an enormous underdog like we maybe thought uh, a year or two ago, but I do think they will be slight underdogs nonetheless, as they typically are. Well, and you and I had fun at the Masters because in our little tiny studio area, there's not a lot of room there. So I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It was more like a closet than a studio. However, so Paul McKinley would come in during these conversations, and you and I both were able to sort of listen to his thoughts. And if you listen to what Paul said, I think they're excited about the idea of a younger new team. I mean, you can go down the list of these young Adrian players. Adrian Moronk, like, Thomas Dietrich. I mean, there's the Hogards. I mean, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of guys uh, so like I, under 27 years old who can inject some life. So I don't think that they want to press the panic button quite yet because you also have the stars. You have Roy who's playing great. You have John Rahm who's playing great. There is still this solid core, and you can bring Hovland, in this new – Fitz, Hatton. Yeah, this new generation. Fleetwood, Lowry. And so I, like, it's good. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I just think it's, it's only open on the European side more so than the U.S. side because of the ruling and because of the way Pelly and the rest of the tour responded to it. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it did create an avenue. I just, I just don't even know who they could conceivably pick. Like maybe a Paul Casey. Like Paul, if Paul Casey. Casey goes goes gangbusters on the live yeah. circuit this spring and this summer. Like he hasn't burned any bridges. It just like Sergio Westwood, Poulter. Like well, these the guys are going to be allowed to play in DP World Tour events, so that's why this is different. So if they come up with some sort of scenario where they can share. And, and look, when you, when, you, when you talk to people on the European side, the idea is, okay, we'll, we'll give you this out. You can still play the Live Golf Tour. We'll give you your releases. But in exchange, you have to play X amount of events. You have to play the Irish Open and pick five or six or seven other DP World Tour events. That's the, that's the door that's open. And you, I can imagine a scenario where you have a Paul Casey that finds that attractive and finds the idea that, oh, I actually could play my way onto the team. Like, forget about being a pick. I could qualify. I think that's very attractive. Do you think that there should be some sort of handshake agreement between the two captains of like either we're both going to have a live player or none of us? Or is it or does it not matter? Like the the no actual way. winning of the Ryder Cup is so important that if DJ gives me the best chance to win, we're taking him regardless of what you do on the European side. Man, I can't see that. No way. Not not legally. After combing through handshake agreement. I, I, no. I didn't say I didn't say written agreement. No, man. No, even those are getting flushed out. I, I don't think you want anything that even remotely looks like collusion in this particular. I mean, th- this is all about what Live Golf and, to a certain, to a lesser extent, the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia is calling that sort of collusion, that sort of antitrust behavior. No way, I don't see that happening. 
It's going to be a very interesting decision. I think, in particular, I think Luke Donald. I think it's. I think it's set, and they're 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 moving on from kind of the old guard on the European Ryder Cup team. I think, and they're fine with I that. Think, yeah, yeah, which I I totally agree with. I think I think Zach Johnson has a prudential predicament on his hands. Like he's going to have to choose between a, a Kurt Kitayama, Harris English, a Tony Fina who hasn't been playing great, maybe Ricky, a Keith Mitchell, these types of guys, or do you go back to the well? With DJ, who literally was five and zero in the last Ryder Cup, Brooks Kepka, who just had the fifty four hole. But again, you're basing this on the idea that DJ is going to play well. Yeah, like put himself in the conversation. I don't think that's a fair assumption right now. uh, Given his given his fifteen year career, I I think chances are he's going to figure it out. I think the back injury that he suffered earlier this year in Saudi uh, Arabia. Uh, that knocked him out of that event. I do think that's lingering a little bit longer than he would have liked. Clearly, he did not uh, put in the reps during the offseason, uh, which was longer than he's ever had uh, during his PJ Tour career. He's just, he's just out of sorts. But I am assuming that he is eventually going to find his form as we get into the heart of the season, yes. Well, and I'll, I'll, let's go one further. Like, only one of their guys finished tied for second. So let's say somehow Phil Mickelson finds a way to rekindle no. the match. No way. No nope. way. You're cutting no. that off right there. He could, be, he could be he could finish seventh. Seventh. And lose and lose out of the automatic spot by like a half point. And there's and there's no way he's on that team. Kurt Kitayama. Now why why is Kurt Kitayama catching so many strays in this conversation? He's, well, he's, he's getting he, picked one hundred percent. Well he's current well he's currently twelfth. There's, excuse me, Kurt, Kurt Kitayama is currently 11th, the Arnold Palmer Invitational winner. Uh, obviously a very good player. Could have actually had a handful of victories uh, over the past year. Like he very he very well qualified. On his own, that very much is to be seen. But he is he is the player who has like inserted himself in the Ryder Cup conversation for the U.S. team, who would be inexperienced, uh, who would be heading across uh, the pond for the very first time, playing this format for the very first time. Like that would be a little bit of a risk. I think, regardless, he would be buried uh, on that U.S. lineup sheet uh, for Italy. So I I just think it's a very interesting dilemma that he is going to have. I can't wait to see it. Uh, unfold over the next couple of months. I'm sure there'll be uh, plenty of podcast material later this summer. Rex, it is time. We've been teasing it. I had the banner going this entire time. We are going to draft. The NFL draft is on mock, Thursday. Mock 1.0. We're, we're, we're very excited about this. Um, because right. I typically whip you in these things, we're going to draft Whew. our players. As I mentioned at the this top of the podcast. over five years. Who's going to pay attention and decide who won this? Oh no one! This is just no this is just the thought. This is just the thought exercise. But we are not we are not going to draft who's going to have the best twenty twenty three. This isn't the best player for the next year. We're going to do who would you want to draft right now for the next five years? Who will have the best window in the next five years? You have to take into account a lot of things, right? Age, mm-hmm. current form, uh, projecting form, major championship sure. venues in the future, whatever the case may be. I will give you. The first pick. We're going to make about 20 picks here. We're going to try and keep this brief, and then we're going to go into the top prospect. But I will give you – I did not want the first pick, actually. I will give you the number one pick in the draft. You can say whoever it is you like, who is your pick? For the first round – Oh, excuse me. Let me cue it up. Give me the imaging. Yes, please. Here it is. The pick is in. The pick is in. Uh, Rex Hoggard with the first pick in the mock draft goes with Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler, who is not the world number one. And I bounced between, obviously, he and John Rahm for this first pick. And I didn't know which one I would go with. I guess I would lean only in Scotty's 
direction because he is younger. And as I kind of went down my list, I figured out the average age of the top 10 players in the world ranking is 29. Scotty is 26 years old. And if I had to choose, and this is, man, we're, we're splitting hairs. John, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Please don't get at me. I, I, I apologize in advance. But if, if you're going to split hairs between the these two he's players, the PGA Championship. he's going to find me and not be happy. If you're going to split hairs between these two players, the only advantage I could, the only two advantages I could find for Scotty. One, he's two years younger, which is not much, but still it's younger. And two, I have since the very beginning and continue to have concerns that John Rahm and his health, because he is a large man. I'm not saying you're overweight. I'm not saying you're fat. Like, please don't, don't do that to me. However, he is large. I think his weight is something he's going to have to focus on. So with the first pick, I went with Scotty Scheffler. You're saying that John Rahm's a big man is the reason for your health concerns. Scotty Scheffler is the one who dealt with some pretty serious back injuries throughout junior golf sure. and yeah. college golf. That's something no, absolutely. Uh, to monitor as well. Look, I had Scotty Scheffler number two uh, on my list. It's not like this was necessarily a reach for the first pick in the NFL draft. Obviously, you've talked to talent evaluators, your scouts, uh, your your entire leadership uh, team right. uh, with Rex Hoggard uh, was, was incredibly uh, happy with that selection. For me, I'm not going to give away the rest of my big board. I have John Rahm, Rex, at the top of my big board. He's the guy yeah. I circled all along. I'm absolutely making him uh, the number two pick in this draft. I think he's going to go down as one of the all-time greats. I really do. I think he'll uh, potentially supplant Roy McIlroy as the best European, uh, best European player uh, of his generation. Dude does everything well. He's played well in every single major championship. Uh, I actually think, here's a hot take, I actually think John Rahm is going to eventually win the career grand slam. He is that well-rounded. He is that motivated. He is that fiery. He kind of, unlike the other players who we're going to be drafting here, like he's already settled in his life. He's married. He has uh, young kids now. Like he's gotten that phase behind him, so to speak. And he's, he's, he's figuring out how to, to uh, adjust that and still play what right now is the best golf of his career. So John Rahm, I'm very happy that he fell to me at number two, if you if you like go if you, Rex if you go into our, our our war room, you'd see like guys like high five at each other and, yeah. and and hugging because John Rom felled us. Uh, we got the franchise player about that. Very good. You, you didn't even him. have to trade up to get him. That's very good. Good for you. Right. <laughs> Who do you got? Uh, first, uh, imaging, please. Uh, I can't. I got my I got my hands tied. No imaging. Okay, very good. Guess, guess we'll just move on with this. Uh, and let's keep these tight moving forward because your long-winded response for John Rahm is going to take us eight hours to do this. This is the top, uh, this is the top pick. There it is. Thank you. Uh, with the second pick, I, I and again, this is another one that I sat and wrestled with for the last 24 the third, hours. The third overall. Third overall, uh, my second pick. Uh, Patrick Cantlay. And the reason is he's so efficient with every part of his game. When you cue, kind of break him down. Cue, cue to the crowd shots. Yes. Uh, Patrick Cantlay is, is probably the one I like the best. And, and here's why, and I'll, I'll make this quick. I, I did uh, this column a few years ago. I was trying to find out whatever the magic number is for golf. It, this was sort of based on the whole Moneyball concept. And the one thing that I, everyone started coming back to, that what's the most important stat for success on the PGA Tour? And it's driving. I mean, not only do you have to hit it long, but you got to find fairways, whatever the case may be. He's number two in strokes gain off the tee. And if you look at his game, there's no weaknesses. Patrick Cantlay. Patrick Cantley, he was number 18 on my big board. Patrick Cantley, uh, wow. number 18. Uh, the back injury uh, that he uh, has been dealing with that, that still uh, requires significant pre- and post-run treatment, uh, that is a little bit 
of a warning sign for me as we're looking not just this year, not just 2024, uh, but through 2028 in this five-year window. The reason why we're doing this, folks, just to peel back the curtain, a rookie contract in the NFL is typically four years. And so that's why we're looking uh, for the next five years. Uh, for me, next up is Xander Schauffele, 29 years old, uh, consistent winner on the PJ Tour. I think he's only getting better. He was my pick to win player of the year in 2023. Of course, he has not yet won. Uh, but he is uh, a, a perennial factor in all of the major championships. He is way too talented to not pick off a couple here in the next five-year window. He is so complete, uh, and he just has a perfect comportment, I think, for competitive golf. He's a guy who was overlooked in his like high school class with JT, Spieth, Ollie Schneider, Jans, Patrick Rogers. Like He's very much coming to his own. I think he's a world-class player, and I'm very happy to have him with the fourth overall pick. In our draft. Uh, that was good. Yeah, I, I was on the fence between Pat and Xander at that pick because I, I feel like they're both the same. Xander's a little bit younger, but yeah, imaging, please. Oh. Who you got? No imaging? All right, we're not doing it again. Very good. This is, this is, there it is. Is, is the computer buffering every time? Is that, that is this what's taking so long? Yeah, I have to, I have to keep loading it. <laughs> um, I, I'm a little surprised, actually, <clears throat> that he fell this far. Roy McIlroy is my next pick. And, and the only drawback with Roy, of course, this is a five-year plan, as you pointed out. These are rookie contracts. And at the end of this contract, Roy would be 38 years old. So it, it didn't. I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. However, I, I'm not picking him because I think he's going to win the Koreans, career Grand Slam because, as we've talked about, that seems like it's getting further and further away as he gets further down. But he's still going to win. He's going to win a lot. He's probably going to win more major championships. And I just feel like at probably. this stage in his career. He hasn't, he hasn't won one in almost a decade. That, that's true. And, again, that, as that gets further away, it's hard to imagine. I, I just I can't let him slip any further than that. So, Roy. Yeah. Pick. Uh, I agree. He turns 34 I believe, in a couple of weeks' time. So he's still very much in the athletic prime of his career. He was actually next on my big board. I had him fourth overall. So yeah, hey, who I was going to select next me. as well. This is where I think it gets interesting in terms of the draft. If you're looking over the next five years, at this point, you have to look at a guy who obviously has an established resume, but you're also projecting a little bit. And for me, that guy who I'm going to be taking six overall here is Sam Burns. I like the fact his age, he's 26 years old. He's a five-time winner on the PGA Tour. He just won the match play just a couple of weeks ago. But this is a guy who has championship pedigree, a former uh, number one ranked junior player uh, in the country, a great college player as well, shared player of the year honors in college. Like He has the, the background and the pedigree to suggest that he is going to be a mainstay uh, at or near the top of the world rankings for the foreseeable future. Uh, big, big hitter. Uh, good on and around the greens as well. So I'd like Sam Burns with the six overall pick. Uh, I like that pick, although we should pan to the crowd that you have not chosen Jordan Spieth yet. That, that's got to be the upset of the night so far. Somehow he traded down not to get Jordan Spieth. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, imaging, please. This is the last time. I, don't, I, ha- I, have, I, have, I have other things to do. <laughs> Do you see this banner that's being constantly up to? Like, I'm killing them. I, I told you that was going to be a lot of work. I, I told you that, oh, you're, you're taking on a lot, but by all means, keep it up. Uh, Shoffley, yep, you spelled it right. Good for you. Uh, I'm with you. I'm going to go younger with this pick simply because you're looking forward. We're trying to project ahead. Uh, Sam Burns was on my big board, but I had actually Cameron Young ahead of him. Mm. Uh, two things. One thing, uh, again, this goes back to just he's really, really good off the tee. 11th strokes gain 
off the tee. The other stat that kind of stands out that, you know, talking with the people who know much more about this than I do, birdie average is something that everyone sort of looks at and says, you can clean up the other parts of your game. But if a guy makes a ton of birdies, we can figure out the rest of it. Like just just make a lot of birdies. Kim Young is third on tour in birdie average. Now, I don't want him at the microphone. I don't want him to be the face of the franchise, but I like him as a young player. <laughs> uh, I also think the addition of Paul Tesori uh, in recent weeks will will pay dividends. Obviously, had a great partnership with VJ Singh, with Webb Simpson, kind of elevated him to new heights. Cameron Young uh, is arguably the most physically gifted player that Paul Tesori has worked with. And if he can just access uh, Cameron Young's inner genius, I, I do think that that uh, is, is a great pick as well. I had him coming up. Uh, I'm very tempted to take Jordan Spieth here. The only reason why I'm not there it is. Is, <laughs> is, is, is Colin Morikawa. 26 years old, already a two-time major champion. Yes, I know you have questions about his short game and his putting. However, you cannot teach ball-striking genius. And Colin Morikawa is one of the best ball strikers, best iron players the game has ever seen. That will continue to give him myriad opportunities uh, to win events in the PGA Tour and to win major championships. So he is so solid, uh, and he is so great with the most important clubs in his bag that I like Colin Morikawa with the eighth overall pick. Uh, I like that. No more imaging? Are we done with imaging? We're done with, we're done with that. All right. Um, this one is kind of tough. I, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't want to circle back around. I, I like going young. I, I think I'm the entire team is based on what we're going to look like five years from now. So uh, to go with that theme, Tom Kim, who I'm going to go with the next pick. I mean, we all know what he did last year at the President's Cup, and I had my doubts more than anyone. And I think let's call that President's Cup the combine because I was really impressed by what Tom Kim <laughs> did there. Are you are you saying it doesn't matter? Are you calling it an exhibition? Are you tall? I mean, it's just whoever whoever looks the best in shorts, which is essentially what the NFL Combine is. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, they they they. I like who's best in shorts, and that would be Tom Kim. No, I I just think he showed just not me. I think he showed everyone that he there, there's a fire inside him. There are plenty. I mean, they, both our lists are just littered with top players who have tons and tons of potential. Breaking through that potential and finding a way to maximize it. That's the hard part. And he was able to do that under probably the most pressure of his young, very, very young career. But he was able to do it when you had an entire team watching you. And that's probably the hardest thing to do. And so I, I just love the idea that he was able to piece it together long before. I mean, look, I love Adam Scott, but he's never been able to be sort of that star under that spotlight. So you got to give Tom, Cream, Tom Kim credit for what he did. You almost call him Tom Crean. As we're keeping with, with the college theme, uh, as someone who is currently working on a Tom Kim feature, I've been impressed. The guy turned pro at 15. He's been a winner at every level. Uh, the only questions that you would have moving forward, how does he deal with stardom, which is uh, currently upon him now? He has not had the, grass, the, the best 2023 as he's dealing with his new normal. He is not the longest hitter by any stretch of the imagination. And you also have to wonder about burnout. He's been a pro for almost six years now. Uh, despite his young age, you just wonder uh, if he can maintain the sort of youthful exuberance uh, that has so far defined his early career. He fell to me. He fell to me. I have no choice. I am contractually obligated to take yep. Jordan Spieth. He turns 30 later this year. That is amazing. I've been covering this kid since he was uh, like 14 years old. That's now he think he's, he's turning 30 is crazy. Uh, he's Asian another guy who is, who is settled 
who is actually uh, improving his his ball striking, getting back to where he was back in 2017. Uh, does the scar tissue on around the greens, uh, does that begin to compile? Probably, but this is still a five-year window. He'll still be 35 by the time his rookie deal expires as it relates to this draft. He still has so many more great speed moments left in him that I'm happy to round up the top 10 with one Jordan Spieth, the golden child who is no longer a child, but still golden. I feel like we wasted so much time talking about Tiger Woods in the Ryder Cup. We should have just gotten to the draft. This is what we both wanted to do. This is the good stuff. Yeah, let, let's be honest. Uh, that's interesting because I was right on the fence about where and when I wanted to take JT. And I was almost like I, I was going to match you toe for toe on that one because I feel like this is almost a wash, right? You, you pick Jordan, I pick JT, simply for the reasons you just pointed out. Like at the end of his contract, he is going to be a little on the older side. However, the upside at this point in the draft as my sixth pick in the draft, I really like JT. He was next on my big board as well. Those guys have been inextricably linked, right, for the past two decades. No reason why they shouldn't be uh, in this draft as well. Here we're going. We're talking upside. I don't think there's a bigger upside uh, over the next five years than Will Zalatoris. He's currently recovering from that micro dystectomy. Oh, you did that. For several months. However, out for the year with back surgery. You're drafting a guy in your top 10? He should be back later this fall. It is not a huge concern. If anything, it should alleviate some of the issues that not he's been dealing concern. with over the past two years. He was my breakout Please star coach, heading tell into me how this year. Not, not a huge concern. Uh, it is it is it a is it a concern in the short term? Yes, long long term. I think this actually helps him uh, to go under the knife and get that area addressed in his lower back. Yes, I, I think I think letting that I think letting that linger. And, and going under the knife and actually having the surgical procedure, I think actually helps him as opposed to trying to manage it for the next couple of years. Sure, sure, sure. And give me the list of how many 20-somethings who had a microdisectomy that went on to just to be world beaters. Just to, just to do the comparison. Uh, I, don't, stuff, I, think. I don't have that list. However, I don't have that list. However, uh, a Tiger, as Tiger Woods has proved, uh, special talents can overcome even a couple. So, so you're comparing Will Zalatoris to Tiger Woods now? Uh, Will Zalatoris right now – well, I shouldn't say right now since he's currently recovering from back surgery. Will Zalatoris is a better iron player than Tiger Woods right now, yes. And uh, was a better yeah, iron player than Tiger Woods. Right now, it's hard to Tiger Woods was when Tiger Woods won in 2019. Tiger Woods won in 2019 following a microdisectomy at the Masters. And Will Zalatoris is a better iron player now. Not right now because, of course, he's recovering. But in 2022, he was a better iron player than Tiger Woods was in 2019. Uh, I, I, I love Will. It was one of the I think his most upside. I think his upside is enormous. I mean, that, that's too many alarm bells. Like I, the, his win he's, last he's going, year. He's Memphis, going at 12. He's going at 12. Uh, they, that, that's just a bad sign. And, and I want nothing but the best for him because he is an exciting player. His win in Memphis was probably the most enjoyable event I covered last year simply because of you could see the emotion of what it meant to him. Not just winning, but the way he did with making the clutch putts. And that was always sort of the thing that we, we pointed at. But this goodness, is he way could have, he, could, he could almost have three major so many alarm bells, man. Point. He could almost uh, have three this, major championships at this. I'm not taking him fourth overall. Could. I'm taking him at instead. He's what, got 12? a major surgery under his belt already. So I, I don't know which one of those things at 26 years old I'm comfortable with. Look, this is a five-year window. I like the upside. I have great Oof. first round. I have great picks in the top 10 that can carry me uh, for the rest of 2023. Of course, you forgot uh, John Rahm, who's the presumptive favorite uh, for player of the year. I like John Rahm this year. You're I like taking Will's a flyer at number six with your sixth pick? 12th overall. This is a twelfth. This is my twelfth overall pick. 
this is not this is this, this is, is this is no this, this is, is no different this is no different than the Lions last year taking like Jameson Williams, who's coming off a torn ACL in the national championship game. Not a great example. He missed almost entire his rookie year. And now he's, you know, he's out for the first six. Uh, You're not helping your argument. Because obviously anyway, you cannot moving on. on NFL games. Very talented player. Hurt his knee. He will be back and he will be great. And the Lions, I'm sure, will be happy to have him once he gets back on the field. Who you got 13th uh, overall? I, I kept pushing this guy down and I can't believe he's available at my seventh pick. Uh, but Tony Fino, he, he, Simply, uh, he probably hasn't lived up to the potential that he would want. Like, forget about what we think he's going to do. But you look at what he does well, statistically, uh, across the board. There's no reason to think that he can't break through. And I imagine him being sort of that David Duvall type player, that once he sort of gets on one of those runs, and we saw it last year, where he, he, once he gets winning, he just keeps winning. And I just think it's a matter of time before that happens in the major championships, the biggest events. Going back to number four and birdie average, the dude knows how to go out and score. And the one stat that sort of, as I was sort of looking through this strokes game world ranking, which I don't 100% understand, but it was a way to sort of break it down in a little bit shorter window in my mind, instead of using this two year rolling window, he's sixth. And I just think he's such a good pick at this, at this point. I think he's a great pick. Uh, if you watch the Netflix documentary though, aren't you worried that his family is going to potentially cost him victories? No, that was, I think, absolutely just, I think his family gives him those, strength. Yeah. That I was think an that absolutely was a, outrageous. That story that I'd never heard that before. Uh, yeah, before we got into that show, uh, I do like Tony Finau. Show, I wish though. nothing but the best for him. I um, a little bit uncertain where I want to go here. I have a player who's next to my big board, and now I'm having second thoughts. And so I'm going to pivot to Matt Fitzpatrick, the reigning U.S. Oof, Open champion, me. recent winner at the RBC Heritage. Look, he's not the longest player. Uh, he doesn't do, I would say, anything like exceedingly well, and yet I like his tenacity. I like his tidiness. Uh, I like his work ethic. Uh, he, he plays well on a variety of different golf courses, whether it's kind of a claustrophobic layout like Harbortown or wide open spaces of Augusta National. Uh, I, think, I think Matt Fitzpatrick at this point in the draft, number 14, he's still just 28 years old, uh, is a very good pick. I don't think he's done winning major championships either. Well, and I love the way he, he reinvented himself. You, you don't see that in golf very often where you just realize that, okay, here is what I'm really, really bad at, or this is where I'm insufficient when compared to the rest of the competitors that I go up against. And the fact that he was able to transform himself and not just become a decent driver, but to become a very, very, very good player off the tee that he was on my board that, that one, I feel like you stole from me. So good for you on that one. Oh, it's back. I had extra time back. Wow. Look at you. Um, this one I didn't pivot on. I had him on my list, and I'm actually surprised that you let him go this far. I guess there are some concerns. Victor Hovland, uh, I like the upside on this one. In his short game is still a huge concern for me. But at watching him at the Masters earlier this month, I think both of you and I both sat and watched some of those shots that he hit in and around those greens, which it isn't the easiest place to sort of put yourself in an awkward position and try to get up and down. And he showed me something there. So I, I, I like Victor at, at specifically at this spot because he's young, and I just think there's so much potential there. Yeah, I have him in my next range here. Obviously, the upside is enormous, a world-class ball striker. The only thing that scares me is like the, two, the only two times in his career, which is obviously still young at this point, the only two times he's had an opportunity to win a major championship, he really flamed out. So I think 74 on the final day at St. Andrews on a day when everyone – uh, everyone was getting it, including Cameron Young, and then did not play well uh, when he was in third place heading into the final round at Augusta National. 
earlier this month. So that is a little bit worrisome, but you're right. He's 25 years old. He'll still be uh, very much in this great window for him to succeed. Another guy who is 25 years old, who I'm going to take in this spot, Rex, is Sung J.M., an absolute ball-striking machine, does everything well. If you listen to Keith Mitchell last week, they were partners at the Zurich Classic. He predicted that Sung J.M. is going to be a future Hall of Fame player. If that's going to be the case, he needs to start racking up wins uh, at a higher rate than he has done, just two PGA Tour titles uh, to his name right now. But he uh, has played well at Augusta National over his career. I'm actually surprised he's not played better uh, in the major championships today. But I do like Sung J.M. over the next five years to continue to produce and to be an absolute ATM on the PGA Tour. So that's what I'm taking with this pick. Uh, these are where it gets interesting, or at least in my mind, these last two picks, because you can go one of two ways. I, I've been trying to trend a little bit on the young side and trying to look into should. projections. As you should. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a young man's game. It, it is a young man's game. Uh, there, there's some veterans that I'd like to take a look at, like uh, Jason Day. Thank you very much. A little late on that. But still, the imaging is coming. I know you got your hands full right now. you got a lot of things going on. Uh, Jason Day was someone that... I, if you look at the way he Jason played Day, year, you have I'm not concerns about Day. Will Zalatoris. No, 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 no. I'm not picking Jason Day. I'm just trying to explain where the thought process went in here. I love the way he's playing right now. I love the potential he has right now. Five years from now, I'm not quite he sure. Might not be playing golf. Uh, maybe. And you look at his family. I mean, there's a lot of things. We just had this stupid conversation about Tony Finau. Certainly, Jason Day's family factored into where he's going to be five years from now for all the right reasons. Like, Jason Day wants to be a dad. He wants to be home. I understand that. So I'm going to continue on my track, and I'm going to go with Sahith Tagala uh, for mm-hmm. a lot of different reasons. Probably, if you look at the, again, we're, we're looking at upside now. You're looking at best athlete, regardless of position, I guess would be the comparison here, right? Like, if you're if you've got the eighth pick in the first first round, are you trying to fill a specific hole? Or are you trying to go after the best athlete? In this case, I'm going after the best athlete because I feel like he has that look about him. So Sahif. I like Sahif. I had him at the end of my uh, picks here. So you are squeezing him in before I was eventually going to nab him with the 20th and final pick in mm-hmm. our draft. This is an interesting one to me. There are obviously some warning signs. And I don't feel good about where he's going to be in five years. But I still like the production that he's capable of in the next two to three. And so if you're drafting at this point, I like the production that I can get in the next two or three years. And for me, that guy is Cameron Smith. He's coming off the best year of his career, reigning players champion in 2022, the reigning open champion, champion golfer of the year in 2022. Yes, he just got a boatload of guaranteed money. Yes, he has interest outside of golf. No, I don't think uh, that it's going to be a necessarily long and fruitful career. Like, I don't see him playing competitive golf into his 40s. I think he'll be more than happy uh, to just uh, fish and be on his boat all day. However, he is still an exceptional golfer who's not had the best start to 2023. Granted, but he is still an exceptional golfer, one of the best on and around the greens if he can stay motivated there was obviously what talking to my talking to my scouts talking to my talent evaluators talking to the uh, general manager there was definitely some concerns that we had in terms of motivation uh for the duration of this rookie deal but i do like cameron smith at this point i still think the next two or three years could be very good 
I have two names at the top of my list that I've, I've filtered out. Max Homa would be one at 32 years old. Uh, and, and look, I, it's impressive to see what Max over the hill, is. over the hill you're saying for. No, Max no, Homa. it just he just didn't fit into the theme of my team, which I'm going to continue to trend young with my theme. last pick. Theme. Uh, let's ask, well, yeah. Let's let's uh, ask, let's ask the Carolina Panthers. What's what's the theme that you're going for this no, year? Or are you just going to kind of grab is? like the best player, best player available? I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Uh, the process of what I want my the team ethos. To be. You want you want no, the no, ethos process. of this team? It's going to be the process. <laughs> I think I've heard that somewhere else before. The process. Uh, and the second name on that list is Cam Smith. And and the only thing I have written, I wish I could turn my screen around and show this. Warning team. The, only thing I've written, the only thing I have written next to Red his flag. name is Do we really believe dot dot dot? That's the only thing I felt comfortable writing that because uh, again, it goes to I said that earlier in the podcast. I've said it a thousand times. Cam Smith is still a top five player in the world. He, he certainly is a top five talent in the world. I don't care what the world rankings say. If you look at what he was able to do in a very, very condensed window with his career, it's amazing. I mean, last year should have been just a benchmark of, oh, he's going to be a very special athlete. I couldn't bring myself to drafting him because I don't know how much he's actually going to play on the PGA Tour or live golf for that matter. I can't draft well, we a know, player. We know he's contractually obligated to play 14. Well, yeah, but of those he's 14, in, he's, in, I, he's in the majors those aren't going for the next to help five you. years. He's in the majors for the True, next five years. But of those 14, none of those are going to help you as your team. So essentially, you've drafted a player that's only going to play in four, to, uh, four of your 18 games next season. And he's going to play in another league for the other 14, <laughs> which Not gives you lie. nothing. You get Not nothing out lie. of it. Didn't, didn't think of that. We could, we, could do this by, we could do this by earnings. We could just buy earnings. I like Cam. And no, Smith's we're not earning, changing earning the game now because you messed up and, and decided to he go could with the win. game. He, he, he went a, with he the box a, score. He had, a, he had a win on live. Uh, it, that's fine. He, he can have a win year. on live. Actually, I think he won the Aussie PG, Australian PGA last year. Did he not? That doesn't count either. Towards uh, your he did. Is, is one wait? Is one <laughs> live win? Like does that is like half? Is that half of a PGA Tour win? Is that how we're going to rank them? Like it's a, win's, a, a win's a win. I'm not no. I, I'm not judging uh, here at all. Live if golf, Liv gets world ranking points, we're gonna have to revisit this draft because if Liv sure. gets world ranking points, it's gonna I'm it's gonna be measured somehow. Yeah. Yes, and, and, and look, because we've glossed over Brooks Kepka, we glossed over Dustin Johnson for these exact reasons. Like Brooks Kepka was DJ, in contention DJ, until I would not take. I, I would not take for the next five years. No. Uh, I think DJ, when his contract's up, is probably done playing golf, if I had to guess. Brooks, however, shows a unique motivation that wasn't there before he w- went to live. So I could have seen either one of those. But again, what you're doing is you're saying you drafted someone that can only play in one quarter of your games. As a GM, no. I don't know Look if that's a, that's a great idea. Count. They don't count. PJ Tour Loyalist, no, Rex, Rex Hoggard. This is You just hate to see it. <laughs> just sure. <laughs> Yes, that's this is Rex on. Rex Rex Hogger GC. This is this is the prime example of golf shit ignoring live. No, if they get world ranking points, you and I can sit down and I'll be like, yeah, man, like you got it, good for you, deal. Like I'll make that deal right now. If they get world it's ranking good. points, have at it. It's basically right, gonna count like the, it's, it's actually gonna count like the like the Bermuda Championship. It's not gonna be anything. much. It's, like, it's uh, not gonna be much. And you still have one more pick left. Are you eyeballing yes. Brooks with your last pick? I have the twentieth. I have the twentieth overall pick. This is up to you at number nineteen. Your last pick. How you get to round up your, uh, your your team? Uh, what did you call it? Uh, your your youth process. movement. Yeah. No, no, no. Process. process. Sure. Stick with the process. Uh, sure. and, and it is young. I want my team to be young that way. Five years from now, they're all reaching their peak, which seems to be again. I'll go back to that twenty nine uh, year range for the top ten players in the world. And he's a rookie on the PGA Tour, and he has been impressive. Taylor Montgomery 
which I know is probably going to be a shock to you. I, I love the way he, he's a he's a version of Dustin Johnson with the way he carries himself. Bell Kuyper's yelling, reach, reach. Maybe, maybe, but I have the 19th pick, so I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty comfortable here. And I wanted to go young with someone, and I am just feel so comfortable with Taylor Montgomery having met him a couple of times and got to know his story. This dude made it, you know, made his chops playing money games, big money games in Vegas. And I asked him point blank, did you have big money to lose? And he did not. And I love sort of that mentality. He makes a ton of birdies. He hits it long. Again, I compare him to Dustin Johnson with sort of the way he carries himself, the way he hits the ball. So with my last pick, Taylor Montgomery. Uh, That is an incredible reach. Uh, I can't believe we've reached this point of the draft. Uh, Godspeed to you and the Rex, the rest of the fellow Rex Hoggards. Uh, Why do you get the last imaging? And with the final pick, of this year's Golf Channel draft of golfers. Uh, I'm going, you kind of glossed over him. I'm like, I'd never, never take him. Complete red flag. It's Max Homa. He's still 32 years old. Like, he is playing the best golf of his career. He's up to number seven in the world ranking. Like, I still want to see him do it in a major championship. I think uh, he and everyone else was very disappointed by the way that he played uh, at Augusta National, like, you have to put him on the top five list of favorites uh, at the U.S. Open this year at LACC where he holds uh, the course record uh, that he shot back in, am- in his amateur days. Like, the dude's really good. Um, he's, he's kind of reaching the point in his career where a decade ago, right, like this is the prime of your career. Early 30s, life settled. You know who exactly who you are. You know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And you can just kind of hammer those home uh, and play the best golf. Obviously, the game has skewed younger, and Max Homa is on the older end of that. But he's still going to play on Ryder Cup teams. He's still going to play on President's Cup teams. He's still going to win, a, a, I think, a boatload more PJ Tour events. Can he do it in the majors is the big question. I'm a believer in Max Homa. And I think with the 20th overall pick, I think it, it's an absolute um, – uh, shocker to me that he was even still available at this point. What in his body of work makes you believe that he's going to figure out how to get it done in the majors? Because he, he hasn't yet. He, he doesn't have a top 10. As a matter of fact, his best finish is the T40 ever. Uh, so that's what in true. his body he of was, work leads you to that's not That's not true. He had a top 20 finish last year at the PGA Championship. Uh, oh, I, right. think, top, I think the upward, the upward trajectory of his game leads me to believe that it will eventually translate to major championships. And look, we may get to the end of 2023 and he hasn't done anything. And I think he'd be obviously most disappointed of all of us, but I think he'd be one of the year's biggest disappointments who a player upward trajectory at 32 years old. So at the end of the contract, he's 37. You're still going to be paying him at 37 years old. This sounds like a Daryl strawberry contract, by the way, I'm 36. I promise you people still, still view me as young. That may be ancient, in golf years, but it's not like tennis. As, where, as a golf rider, not not. Where, not I mean, I mean, if, if, it feels it feels like in tennis. If you're if you're older than 28, like you've you've fallen off the cliff. Like Phil Mickelson's 52 years old. He just nearly won the Masters. Like it is still possible. 37 is not that old. And I still believe that Max Homa is capable of great golf. And in fact, mm-hmm. I still think he's improving. It's not like he's. He's You'd plateaued. rather have Max Homa like at is, 37 than Taylor Montgomery at, uh, at, at uh, I think it's going to be 28. Um, there's no way it would be 28. Um, 29, maybe. Yes. Which is the average age still, of the top 10. I would still have Mac, I would still rather have Max Homa because he has now proven that he can be among the very best players in the world. That is still an open question as it comes to Taylor Montgomery. That was great fun. That was great fun. We have We're the not done. going on the bottom. We're not done. Let's go. The rest of the Jeff. Oh, I forgot. 
Yes. What's the matter with you? Come on. I, I spent a right. lot of time and effort. This is the hard part. I, I was going to say, we will rifle this. I sent you the world amateur golf rankings in case didn't even you were look at it. Didn't even look at it, by the way. That, that was such a like, like a like a balloon you just set up here. Just just pick the top 10 names. Like I might as well just auto draft if you're going to going to do it off that list. Come on, let's go. <laughs> All right. Top prospect. I will give you give you the first uh, pick. I get the first pick. I know it's hard for you. Yeah. Uh, it, it is kind of hard for me, and, and this is a twofold deal because uh, I actually – what you don't know is I went out to the SEC tournament last week at Sea Island when I was up there for my son's birthday and spent some time talking with coaches and agents and equipment reps and actually had an idea of who to watch and who to not. So my hands are not quite as tied as you thought. Uh, the first pick is going to be uh, interesting, <laughs> however. Um, I, I love the Texas Tech kid, Ludwig Aberg. Ludwig Aberg, sure. Sure, sure, sure. I, I love him. You know what bothers me about him? He doesn't win enough. In his career, he's won four times in college. That's not enough for me. Sorry. So based on the people, my people, uh, again, at SECs, uh, Caleb Surratt, who won SECs by about a million, uh, he won't be there for his senior year, from what I'm being told. He's a special talent, a unique talent. He's a freshman right now, so I'm going to have to wait a year or two probably, but he's got the total game. Uh, I like that. I like Caleb Surratt. I think that is a very good pick. Uh, I had him number three on my big board. Uh, all, all everything freshman uh, at Tennessee. He was an absolute stud. He's proven himself in the PJ Tour. Uh, shot a couple of low rounds uh, earlier this year. And obviously he's dominating at the college level as well. Since you somehow overlooked Gordon Ludwig Aberg because he does not win enough, I will gladly take him. With my number okay. two pick, it actually Rex. Here's here's a hot take. It would not actually surprise me if Ludwig Aberg is on the 2023 European Ryder Cup team. I think when I think when he turns this pro, year's Ryder Cup team, this one, the one that's being played in like five months, oh, he will turn that. pro. He will turn need to pro in a month's in a month's time. I think he could go out there and rip off a win or two. Do you think Luke European Donald knows who Ludwig Aberg is? If he was doing, if he's doing his job, he should know who Ludwig Aberg is. Yes, okay. it would not surprise me if Ludwig Aberg is on that European Ryder Cup team. It's unlikely, but he has the talent, he has the pedigree that he could rip off a win or two once college is behind him and he can focus uh, wholeheartedly uh, on his pro game. I like Ludwig Aberg. Thrilled to get him at number two, an uh, and I will star at the next level. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And I was just co- sort of sort of lost in who to pick first because he was certainly on my list. He would have been next. He would have been my second pick. So it's not completely. The only thing, again, that turned me off to him is that he's only got four wins in college, which I already. You know, you know who I, also I, didn't win? A, you know who also didn't win a bunch of college? A lot of players. A lot of players. You're right. Like that. Cal, this is just, Cal Morikawa. Cal Morikawa is now a two time major champion. And this goes back to trying to pick the first player in, in our previous draft, where, you know, of established players. You know, the difference between Scotty Scheffler right now and John Rahm is minute. Certainly look at the world ranking and look at the fractions of points. Uh, can I have the imaging, please? I'll wait. <laughs> You're lucky I didn't close the window. <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, with the third pick in, what do we call in this draft? Uh, Golf Channel Prospect Draft. Oh, God, I like that. Mock Thank prospect you. draft, 1.0. Uh, I am going to go with Gordon Sargent. And I, I felt like at Augusta there was Smart some hype. Incredibly pleased. 
Uh, yeah, I know. I felt like at Augusta there was some hype. Uh, maybe it was deserved. Maybe it wasn't. I mean, when you're playing a practice round with a Roy McIlroy and you drive it by Roy by 30 yards, yes, people are going to notice and that's going to, to get some headlines. That to me in and of itself doesn't really necessarily prove that he's going to be special at that next level, but he certainly turned some heads there. I guess what impressed me the most is how, again, walking up and down the range last week at SECs, he sort of has the golf ball coming off his club face sounds different. And he makes people turn and watch. And there aren't many people in the history of game in the history of the game who have done that. Tiger Woods would certainly be atop that list. He hits it a mile. And I think he's going to figure out that this is the important part here. He's got to figure out the off-speed stuff. Like he's gonna have a lot of wedges on the PGA tour because he hits it so far. But the trick is being able to take advantage of that. And it took Dustin Johnson probably two, three, four years as a professional. He had to work very, very hard with Butch Harmon to figure out sort of that off-speed stuff. I think Gordon Sargent can do that, and if he does, he could be a very, very special player. Yeah, first uh, freshman to win the NCAA individual championship in about 15 years. It's incredibly hard to do, and so for him to do that is certainly uh, shows uh, just how talented he is. You're right. like He cruises at like 190 ball speed. He actually reminds me, he's like a more technically sound Matthew Wolf who burst out of the scene uh, about four or five years ago. Obviously, Gordon Sargent has more technically sound golf swing than Matthew Wolf does, but kind of the hype, the power, you're right. It's, it's developing the touch around the greens. It's the finesse shots that he's going to have to improve, uh, and I have little doubt uh, that he will do so. Uh, for my final pick, apparently you're going to be getting uh, three picks uh, to my uh, two in this prospect draft. Oh, I thought we were doing five. Away. All right. No, 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 never mind. I'm good with that. No, we'll keep, we'll keep this simple since we're already at an hour. I'm uh, my, for my, Let's go. For my, for my fourth overall pick, I will go Michael – your Bjornsson, the 21-year-old junior at Stanford, finished fourth, Rex, at the Travelers Championship a couple of years ago. Also was in the mix through 36 holes, I believe, in Dubai earlier this year. Like, the, the kid's proven it. He's, he's been great in amateur golf, Western amateur, the U.S. amateur. Uh, he has performed in PGA Tour events, uh, European Tour events. He's qualified for two U.S. Opens. Like, the guy obviously has the goods he's proven that so far he's another guy who 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 once you once you put he has the the rigorous once you put the rigorous academics that he's had at stanford like once you put that to the side once that's behind you and you can focus headlong and dive headlong into professional golf he's a he's a guy who's going to be a very special player a future u.s router cupper for sure uh potentially a future major champion as well and so i'm very happy this is going to take me a minute uh michael fjorm See if I can spell that right. You want me to have I'm you a out? lower third here. Nope, I got it. Okay. Uh, I, I'm a little disappointed because I did quite a bit of research for this one because, as you pointed out, this is not my area of expertise any longer. So I did reach out to quite a few friends of mine who are in the business. A Jolly at Cleveland Golf. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Like Nick Dunlap, Alabama freshman, for example. Yep. I was excited about drafting him. I can keep going down the list. This is, this is a very, this is a very heavy freshman. List for you, like you got the guy covers one one college tournament in fifteen years, and all of a sudden he's me? he's he's about. Oh, Nick this Dunlap. isn't mine. This, this is I went to people. Let, let let's don't be David Ford, the North Carolina sophomore. Yeah. He's he's a lefty. Reminds he's, everybody he's very, of a of a better version of Brian Harmon. I can keep going on and on. A better version of Brian Harmon. I was gonna say like a prettier a better golfer. version of Mike. I was gonna say a better version of Mike Weir. Uh do, do you find Brian Harmon's swing? I, I again don't want to anger Brian Harmon, but do you find his swing uh, aesthetically pleasing? Whose? 
Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon. Yeah. I think I think every lefty has a good swing. Every every lefty except Jay Coffin has a good swing. Ouch. That seemed like a unnecessary shot. What do you got on the grill this weekend, Laugh? Hold on. So your pick was David. Who was your pick? Who's your fifth pick? Wait. Oh, are, was I really doing five? I mean, yeah. I was just kind of going through. Uh, no. Preston Summerhays. I've actually this watched him play quite five. a bit of golf. Arizona State yep. sophomore. Um, yep. His dad, obviously, is Boyd. We love him. We know what he, he sister the game. Sister Grace is a stud as well. Uh, and the thing, and Preston is fulfilling that promise. Like, it's hard when the expectations are on you, when you have a last name like Summerhays and you go to Arizona State, it's hard to live up to those expectations, and he's doing it. So that would be my, my fifth pick. Uh, I like that pick. Some players we did not mention, Ben James, former – uh, number one junior ranked player, uh, freshman at Virginia, Austin Greaser, uh, former U.S. amateur finalist, uh, is going to be getting Corn Ferry Tour status at the end of this year. Fred Biondi, we didn't even mention Rex, the dude who blew up at the Masters, Sam Bennett, uh, currently number four in the PG Tour University rankings, uh, prolific winner in college golf. Great backstory, uh, as you well know. I think the best player, so obviously, look, the, the prospects that we have coming out on the men's side are utterly ridiculous. Like the game is very much in a great place moving forward. The best player we didn't even mention is going to be on the women's side. It's Rose Zhang. She has won oh. literally everything at the junior level, at the amateur level, at the college level. Rose Zhang, when she decides to turn pro, and all indications are that should be after her sophomore season at Stanford. Like we could be looking at like the next Lydia Ko. She uh, is before the Anwa, you called it, did you not? You 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 said she was going to win. She'd won everything else. Uh, that was not a stretch uh, to say the number one ranked player in the world uh, was going to win the Augusta National Women's Amateur. The fact that she was able to do it, though, uh, shows just how special she is. She is like an absolute, not just a world beater, but like she's a like a smiling assassin. Like she'll kill you and have a smile on her face. Like she could not be a more charming individual. Uh, I can't wait to see what she does in her pro career rex here at the outdoor kitchen which is behind me i am in my backyard we had white black stone on the right there just behind you uh that is the black stone got the yoder over here yeti other grills lined up here we had a crawfish boil i hinted at it on last week's podcast we were going to do a crawfish boil i did not wuss out actually threw down the uh 240 dollars it was to get a sack of crawfish imported from Louisiana. I wanted like a 30 pound sack, ended up getting a 41 pound sack. And so I bought this loco cookers, 30 quart rig, ended up doing like three or four batches of crawfish. It wasn't overly difficult to do. It was just a lot of prep work. And it was like a lot of scheduling. Like you'd throw, like you'd throw ingredients in, you'd set a timer, then you'd throw others. Like it's a consistent temperature, right? Like you just have it at a rolling boil. Uh, it was just, yeah. it was, it was a lot of steps. It was a lot of fun. The food was fantastic. It was not too okay. spicy, uh, but it did uh, certainly have a kick to it. We had 10, 12 people over uh, that greatly enjoyed it. That was a great time. Can't wait to do some sort of seafood boil. Obviously crawfish season is very short, but you can do the same thing. Crab legs, shrimp. Uh, whatever the case may be. My invitation what did you... got lost. That's cool. Don't worry about it. It's, it's all right. I, I invited Crookie and said uh, he also no-showed. What did you have on the grill? And then please uh, enlighten us with a bunkmate's trip to the ER. Uh, I'll start with bunkmate's trip to the ER. We had a, uh, a senior. Our, my youngest is a senior in high school. We had an awards banquet last night. And when we were walking out, it was raining. I went to go get the car, as a good gentleman should. I look up, and she's walking 
from the overhang where, where she was hiding from the rain to the car turned away. When I turned back, she was on the ground surrounded by people. She had slipped and fallen and we were in the emergency room till 1 a.m. Last night, Bunk Mink has a broken right shoulder, so she won't be doing any uh, pitching anytime soon. But uh, it's in a sling. I think we have to go to see it. Well, I'm doing any pitching. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she seems in good spirits this morning. So that, that's what we had going on. And I will say this. As I pointed out, I was at Sea Island last weekend. It was my middle son's birthday, and he wanted to play golf. And So we got to play some cool places. We got to play Frederico, which he loves, and it's one of my favorite spots on the planet. But the other Shut thing up, you Frederica. wanted to do. Oh, yeah. Love me some Frederick. Where is it? There it is. The Fred. How about that? Um, Southern Soul. We made a trip into Southern Soul, and the, the owners were there and kind of walked us through the new – they have a, kind of a new smokehouse. And I was actually in there. He, everyone got so mad at me because it was my wife, the bunk man. It was my son and my son's girlfriend. And I was in there for like an hour because he sort of walked me through the burnt-in process. I think I'm going to try it this weekend. I was taking notes. So you have to buy a brisket. Yeah. You can't just – you can't just make burn ends like you it's no i know it's, so you're gonna so you're gonna buy a, you're gonna buy a brisket you're gonna do a brisket i'm gonna try we'll and, when, and when is it and when is this, we'll going down? When uh, is this going weekend, down hopefully uh well we it'd have to be saturday leave, you and i leave, on, on, leave sunday. on sunday that's right what time's the flight uh some sort of mid-afternoon flight i am glad that you mentioned our trip it's going to be a very special podcast uh, next week, oh, yeah. it's a very special edition of the Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Lav. Rex and I were both invited to attend USJ Media Days next week. We actually thought that this was like a prank. Like we, we did not think <laughs> this was a, a, a real invitation. But on Monday, we have been invited to play Los Angeles Country Club, one of the most exclusive courses in the country and host of the upcoming Men's U.S. Open. The next day, we are playing Pebble Beach, which is the host site for the first time okay. of the women's us open which course are you most looking forward to but more importantly how is your game uh the game's actually not terrible uh i need to go to the range a couple times this week see if i can work out the, the driver which had been moving along very nicely and doesn't seem to be heading in that direction any longer but i feel confident we can figure it out uh i have played pebble and you know this is not to say the pebble's not special never played lacc so by far I'm looking forward to, because by all accounts, people who know the game, who I trust their opinions, they say that, look, it's more than just a private club. It's a very, very good golf course. Uh, I cannot wait to play either. I've never played them before. I am working through a little bit of a swing change, uh, trying to get my mm -hmm. right elbow tucked closer to my side. Thank you, Ricky, uh, for that helpful hint while keeping my head back and keeping it there. You know, I tend to lunge at it using all 170 pounds of force uh, to hit the ball like 275 it's just really pathetic it is a very very tough scene uh when i'm going after it full bore so i'm I, i'm definitely gonna have to go to the range figure that out you are gonna be bringing me uh, you glossed over one of the more important parts of the trip by the way the, oh the pj the pj that's yeah. right monday night <laughs> after we finish up we at lacc we get on the pj and go to monterey for pebble beach the next day you can't gloss over that and then i get on a red eye to go to wells fargo to work but yes it's and I and I get on a red eye to go see uh, a screaming one and a half year old and a four year old who's been nothing uh, but hellacious at his recent t ball games. It should be a great podcast next week. I need to somehow figure out how to do a podcast on the move. Hopefully, we can record it on the shuttle ride trip from Pebble Beach to the airport for our red eyes. I think that would be a lot of fun to recap our golf there as well as check in on the world of golf from the past week. Liv's got another tournament in Singapore. Uh, the Mexico Open, where John Rahm is like an astounding favorite. I saw he's like plus 240 to win. Uh, that probably has not been seen since Tiger Wood days. 
15 like a 25 years ago. 25% chance of winning. I mean, yes. he's got a better chance is, of winning than the rest of the field. That is insane. Yeah, it is, it is a very weak field. Uh, John Robb would not be playing this tournament, I can't imagine, if he were not the defending champion. He will not be in the field, however, next week for the Wells Fargo Championship. That is the one uh, mandatory skip that he is allowed to play. There's going to be quite a few players. Events. Like Wells Fargo seemed to be the target when I talked to players in, in, in the Bahamas about this. And, and again, this has nothing to do with the Wells Fargo as a tournament. It's just a tough spot on the schedule for a guy like a Jordan Spieth or the, the Dallas guys, for example. I mean, they, they want to play Colonial. They want to play Nelson, and then you throw the PGA Championship. They're trying to avoid sort of that fatigue. And Memorial after that. Yeah. Like it, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of golf, especially uh, for those Texas guys, just the way the schedule is formatted. It will be very interesting, Rex. Roy McIlroy, uh, I would Thanks. imagine, is going to speak to the media before that tournament, and I'm sure he'll be asked why he is the lone player so far uh, to skip two mandatory events. All right, that's going to do it for this incredibly robust edition of the Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Lab. This is a new record high. This was even a longer podcast than when Tiger won the Masters in 2019. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to do the draft. I'm sure you guys can find that on YouTube if you missed it or golfchannel.com. Next week, We'll be back with a recap of our trip as well as the world of golf. It should be a good one. Can't wait to bring it to you. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, A. Jolly. Sorry, bunkmate. mate.